Hello and welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. In the show today, we'll be running through and telling you all about the most recent live show from Falling Star Wrestling. We were live and in living colour at the Westland Sports and Social Club in Kings Lynn for Fight Night. Thank you once again for joining us, in case you're new or somehow forgot. My name is Patrick Vincent Crown, also known as PVC, and I'll be joined by the driving force behind Falling Star Wrestling, my friend and yours, Mr. Jimmy Starr. Now, the show was red hot and packed to the rafters, but it didn't go as smoothly behind the scenes compared to what the final product was. So if you like a little sneak peek behind the curtain and want to find out how the source is made, this podcast is for you. Please note, this podcast contains strong language and adult themes, so for all the little ones, you've been warned. Now, Falling Star Wrestling will be back at the Westland Sports and Social Club on Saturday, 18th of June, for another installment of Fight Night. For more information, please visit Falling Star Wrestling on Facebook. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. Okay, that's enough yapping. Let's jump into the Westland Review. Falling Star Wrestling were back at West Lynn on Saturday 21st of May 2022. We had a five-match card with a massive five-on-five main event which pit the trainees of the Falling Star Wrestling Academy against some of Falling Star Wrestling's meanest, biggest and best pros. But before we get there... I guess we can give the Falling Star Wrestling fans a little peek behind the curtain, Jim, because we had a plan sort of around, I don't know, three o'clock in the afternoon, and then unfortunately we had to divert on those plans. So are you happy to talk about sort of leading up to the show and, and how we dealt with that? Yeah, so, you know, to sort of put it into sort of one sort of big block, really, I got there with my son quite early. I didn't intend to stay, actually. I just wanted to see whether Rob, Furio and the guys were able to get in and were able to get sort of set up and start training and whatnot. But by the time I sort of got there, my boy was playing around on the in the play area there outside the Western Sports and Social Club. And sort of time sort of ran away with us, really. And by the time I, I got to thinking, well, I'll, I'll take my son home so he can have a rest. And then we'll come back and do the show later because Rob and Jack have got training in hand. It was sort of like nearly two, three o'clock. And I thought, well, by the time I get home and whatnot... It's going to be time to come out again and, and do the show. So I decided to sort of stay there. And since we've been there sort of since like 11, I noticed my boy was flagging a little bit, getting a bit tired. And the day before, he he wasn't himself. He, he seemed a little bit sort of down in the dumps. He he took himself off to bed, which is, which is rare when he's with me. He likes to stay out with me and watch movies and stuff. And he just seemed a little bit, just seemed a little bit off. But because of my boy's obviously got quite severe autism, he's not verbal yet, so he can't really tell me if, if there's anything wrong, which is which is a pain in the ass. So yeah, it sort of got to. I we had all the matches planned, and we had it was, it was more or less a similar card to, to what we had. Everything was sort of roughly the same, apart from me and you were going to go against the NLP for the title on third, and then it was going to be you in the five on five tag. And I would have probably incorporated a little bit more storyline towards the, the tag team title pictures within the five on five tag, but pros versus trainees. But aside from our tag match, it was roughly the same. So as sort of six o'clock approaches, we're still going on third, wrestling the NLP for the tag team titles. We're talking to the NLP. We, we, we've more or less got a match sorted. You know, we're sort of, thinking about getting our shit out of the back and getting changed and we were getting set up and just sort of putting the final touches to the show. And my boy hit his carer, who is also a huge uh, FSW fan and a great friend of mine, that came to uh, look after Daniel like she normally does when the shows go on. And so I put Daniel in his wheelchair so he's safe and he can't get out and run in the ring and destroy us all. And he just, he just totally flaked out. Like, he just... Uh, it was like every bit of energy had just been drawn from him. So I thought, well, he must be just be exhausted from, from the day we've been there quite a long time. I mean, he was fed and he was watered. And I knew it wasn't dehydration or anything, but I just thought maybe this cold had got to grips with him. So, but he looked really, really tired. And I thought, shit, I need to get him home. But fucking obviously, I've got to wrestle. So then I said, do you mind if we switch it around so we go on first? Now, it wouldn't have made a huge amount of sense put such a big match like that on first but sometimes when your kid's sick your kid comes first so you know at the end of the day it didn't look like he was in too bad a condition it just looked like he was tired so I thought well if the worst he does is fall asleep 
we'll go on first. I'll sneak out after our match and see what the situation is there. And if he's if the show has woken him up and he's all happy and G'd up and watching it, then we'll stay. If not, we'll go back quarter past six. He started wailing and crying. And my boy, one thing you need to know about my son, he never cries. Unless he's got a reason to, he never cries. You know you know, there's something wrong with him if he cries. And I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, no. So I made the decision. I knew the show could be set up and it could be tinkered with. So I said to you, I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I need to go. I need to get my boy home. Sorry, guys, my son comes first even before wrestling. So maybe you guys can have a freeway or a one-on-one and someone else could be in the tag later. I don't know, but I need to go. And I fucked off. So that happened before the show and you were just sort of left there, sort of like, shit, okay, right, here we go. And I left you to decide what the best way to carry on with the the show was. And you guys did that. You decided to to have a one-on-one match with Crowley, which looks like it was a, a really good decision. So we can we talk about that later. Well, we had a few different ideas of what we could have done. Like myself, Crowley and Mitch, you know, we're all quite creative in that respect. We all know our characters. We all know which way we want the tag division to go, how this rivalry wants to go. And obviously we incorporated Matt as well because Matt's, you know, key in booking and falling star wrestling as well. He's got a great mind for wrestling. But Matt was pretty kind of open to the idea and he just sort of said, well, you know, just to make things simple and not to overcomplicate things because that's you know what we tend to do we normally tend to go to the uber complicated storyline to kind of do this and do this and do this and do this and factor in this storyline and this rival and this person and he was just like well just just have a singles match and you know you go on with Crowley PVC was talking to me you go on with Crowley and obviously Mitch will be in the the match later on and then I'll be back in the main event later on and we can kind of carry on the story with Mitch Basher and myself in in the match there so yeah we went for the sort of simple approach but we didn't know whether you were going to be back or not so we wanted to well we can talk about that when we get to the match but yeah we, we just went for the simple approach obviously I wrestled Crowley in Outwell just a month before so we sort of pretty much had a match down it was nice to kind of work together with somebody I've worked with before that you kind of trust you know you've got good chemistry with and you know it's going to be safe with you in the ring so yeah that's the decision we made and I don't know whether our tag team match would have been better. I probably think it would have been because it would have been more exciting with the titles on the line, a bit more gripping, a bit more thrilling. But myself and Crowley had a had a really good match. The thing is as well, you know, about making a simple thing. Sometimes, you know, with situations like that, which unfortunately just can't be avoided where someone's been taken sick. And, you know, when I got my boy home, like I said, he was sweating like a pig like all night. He had a horrendous fever and I was worried but when things like that happen sometimes the best thing to do is do what 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 Matt said and what you guys did and ended up doing it it's the most sensible thing sort of holding match in place that keeps the storyline going a little bit but probably wouldn't do as much as maybe our tag match would have done in terms of enhancing the rivalry that we would have had it's just right okay fair enough this is a this is Still going to be a good match. I'm still going to put on a good show and I'm still going to entertain the crowd. But in terms of storyline, it's more of a sort of holding thing. It just keeps things on the boil until we can eventually have that tag team match that, that, that we need to have and do it the and do it the right way. But, but yeah, it, it, it was a shame. But, you know, it, it looks like you covered it fantastically. I, I did see a little bit of the show and you saw little bits of the show. So I think sort of together we can we can at least have a have a little bit of a chat about some of the matches and what I've heard and what feedback I've got from people you know, from their angle. We can have a half-decent stab at, at, at reviewing the show. So we kicked off the show at West Lynn with the Dark Wolf, Matt Walters. Well, actually, first off, we had the commissioner, Robbie Reed, come out. He was going to be the MC for the evening. Then we had the Dark Wolf, Matt Walters, come out, cutting a promo and uh, basically showing the new Falling Star Wrestling commissioner who deserves to be Falling Star Wrestling champion. He was joined in the ring by Jaden Scar, who also has sort of, um, who wants possession of that coveted Falling Star Wrestling title. Both men came to the ring and told they want to shot. Matt said he was the greatest falling star wrestling champion in history. 
I tend to agree. No offense, Jimmy. And uh, Jaden was letting him know that he's willing to work for another shot for the uh, shot for the title, which he has held twice. I didn't see the match, but the match wrestled to a count out with neither man being able to get back into the ring before the referee administered the ten count. Neither superstar getting the better of one another, and neither former champion losing, being made to quit, or having their shoulders pinned to the mat for one, two, three. Did you get any feedback from either of the guys on this match, Jim? Um, well, I actually saw Matt for a little while after the after the show, and I'll I'll tell you how. We sort of came together a little bit. From what I've heard, the crowd really loved it. You know, they, they thought it was a great match, a great opener. And there's been comments put on Facebook saying that, you know, keep them fighting type thing. They they want to see they want to see more of them together. It's always a difficult one to gauge because, you know, as exceptional as Matt is, he's a bit of a perfectionist. If, if he says something's all right, normally that means it's fucking great. And he said that this was all right, you know, touch scrappy in some places. And if you want to go into the technicalities of our job and in-ring, maybe a few sort of blown spots and stuff like that, or a few scrappy bits, which, you know, I don't think the crowd notice, or if they do notice, they actually care about. People still seem to love Jaden Scar. People have a huge respect for Matt. And like I said, I think he probably is the best fullness star wrestling champion we've ever had. You know, he's not the most popular I am. I was. But he he's definitely, in terms of... <laughs> In terms of being the the best, you know, in-ring performer, there's no two ways about it. He's fantastic and he's got psychology and he's got a decent body and he's been doing it for a lot of years. So he's got the the experience, the whole package. So I dare say that, you know, Jaden Scar had a a good match with him. You know, Jaden Scar is is a, a decent professional who... Who, who's easy to have a match with and easy to work with and who, you know, who can do the spots like everyone else um, but can also get, you know, actually just get in there and work. So, I mean, I don't know what approach they took, but the feedback from the crowd was that it was it was really good. The feedback from Matt was that it was all right and a bit scrappy. So if Matt says it's all right, it's just a bit scrappy, that means it was probably a really good match and nothing was wrong with it at all. I think it's always good to have a match with two guys that, you know, legitimately do have a chance and should be in contention for the Falling Star Wrestling Championship. Obviously, it is quite disappointing that we had to have a vacated title with C.W. Davies vacating the title and stuff like that. But now the title is in people's eyes. It's in the picture. We've got the commissioner there. People are trying to sort of prove themselves as to who could be the next Falling Star Wrestling Champion. You know, whether it's going to be Matt, whether it's going to be Jaden, whether it's going to be anybody else, we don't know but it's it's a nice little thing to just dangle there a nice little carrot for the audience to kind of look for and you know to fantasy book and you know when we when we get back into the big big shows like the Lynn Sports and stuff we know that that belt's going to be on the line so who's going to be in contention we don't know but we know somebody that could be in contention and he was in match number two this was an academy exhibition match and the person in question is the Kung Fu Vampire Furio and he went up against Ollie Cole now Jimmy you might be able to tell me a little bit more about Ollie. On Saturday, it was the first time I met Ollie, and I'm told he's only been with the Academy for a couple of weeks or so. So I guess this was quite bold putting him in the ring. But by all accounts, I heard that he did really, really, really well. Some of the other trainees commented on how athletic he was, and some even said he might be the next Jack Landers, which is high praise indeed. In terms of the match, Furio picked up the win in a few minutes, and the match did what it set out to do, which was get get Furio a clean decisive victory and also get Ollie in the ring with um, some experience wrestling in front of a crowd. Jimmy Starr, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I said to Furio, I said to him, Look, I want you to start getting some wins. I want you to not just, you know, we, we don't, don't just want you to be the, the mid-card guy that people beat, people wrestle, have a good match with and, you know, they eventually beat you. I want you to be higher up the card. You've been with the company for a long time. You're a mainstay. You've hardly ever had any time off. Apart from re- apart from recently, you've rarely been injured. Like, you fucking do the, a lot of the training when I can't do it. You know, he drives a van. You know, he does he does so many things behind the scenes and just totally out of loyalty to the company. I want to give Rob Furio more. But to do that, to build up a, a heel a heel that is invincible. You have to first feed him some guys who he needs to beat quickly and decisively. So I said to Rob, which is hard for me to say to Rob because Rob's such a giving person. Like, I just want you to squash people for, for a good few months. 
until the sport turns up, you just need to squash people. But I want you to just let go up an extra gear in your fucking evilness, in your lunacy, and just start kicking people's heads off. And I said, I want you to do that at the next wrestling show, which was the wrestling show just gone. I said, pick whoever you want. Now, in training with the other gentleman, excuse me, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Um, his gimmick name, I believe, is Ollie Cole. I think his real name's Ollie. I don't know if his last name's Cole. But he he, he just came into the, the academy on, on a couple of Wednesdays back. And he's one of those guys who, a bit like you, but maybe even, unfortunately, I have to say, it, maybe even slightly more so than you. He's one of those blokes who you just say, right, do a shoulder up. Perfect. Right, do do a back bump. You ever done a back bump? No. Per, do one. Perfect. All right, do a flip bump. Uh, okay, yeah. Perfect. Feed up. Lovely. Yep, do a back flip. Yep, no worries. He said when he was in there, he said, Jack was saying to him, can you do a back flip? And he went, never tried. He said, I've tried one on trampolines. He said, I can do a double one on a trampoline. He said, well, you do a piece of piss here on these mats. And the guy went, no, nah, no, nah, I don't think I'll be able to do it on these mats. And I'm not joking. I went to, within that little portion of conversation, I went to grab a bit of drink that was on the side. Just We were in training. This was sort of mid-training. Turned back. And when I turned back, he was doing a backflip. So this is a guy who is a bit of a freak when it comes to being able just to do stuff, whether it's athletics whether it's the break falls and whether it's even the wrestling, he seems to be able to just do things first time. And he also has a bit of a natural intensity about him. Plus, he's quite young and quite handsome and stuff and whatnot. He's got half de- he's in half decent shape. So anyway, I didn't I didn't pick him to wrestle Rob. I said to Rob, you've been doing this for long enough now. I said, pick someone um, who you don't mind destroying. Because, uh, you know, that's for two reasons. One, I just want Rob to be in there to feel comfortable with someone just to just to do the job for him. And two, I don't then have to pick the person who's doing a job really quickly. <laughs> so it gives me it gives, gives me an out. And yeah, he picked this, he picked um, Ollie. And I watched the match back to, to you know, because I was like, what the fuck? Picking Ollie, he's had two training sessions. Fucking hell. Because we were sort of talking about it, but I didn't think he'd do it. I think I, I thought he'd pick someone else. I said, just pick someone who's in the tag. Fuck it, because they, they can get their they can get their heat back in the tag. It'll be fine. And he was like, yeah, yeah. But then he picked, picked the Ollie, Ollie, Ollie guy. And I saw Ollie trying on some stuff out back and whatnot, but I, I didn't think of it because I was too worried about my boy. And by this point, everything was all kicking off with, with, with Daniel, my son. So I didn't really think about it. And by the time I come back, the match had already happened. But I watched it. And oh yeah, I was pretty amazed. I mean, he got in the ring nicely. Like he had a little fucking call entrance where he did like a sort of Rob Van Dam roll bump thing, and then a, a nip up. You know, he did his job really well. He sold well. He was intense. I think Rob gave him a very small little little sort of shine, but it wasn't much. Rob took 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 what he needed to do. Uh, bang, kicked him in the head. One, two, three. I don't think we've seen him in the ring for a while again because after doing a job like that you need to go away people need to forget about you or at least miss you you know so you need to go away plus he needs to he needs more training and he needs more time to get gear and an idea of who he wants to be as a character so he's got a direction to follow but still good experience just for just for a young guy who who turned up on his this is sort of like his third training session first in ring session and he's on a show being an enhancement for, for, for Rob, you know, and that's not a, a knock on any of our other talent, you know, but it just Rob chose him and that was it. Rob chose him and he, he, he thought he could safely get him through the match and he did. And I think he did the job when I watched it. It seemed to do the job. I literally was watching the match on the phone just before I did the, 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 the tag. I had enough time to watch it. I should have probably been working out moves I was going to do in the tag. You know I mean? I didn't even bother. I just, you know, it's a big tag. Fuck it. What, what you know, what you got to do? So I, I watched it as basically as the as the, the trainees were going out for the big tag. So I was impressed with him, and yeah, it just enhances Robin gets into the next stage. So that's the sort of story of that match, and the story of what I want to do with Furio, and the story of, of of Ollie so far. Really, he's got a lot to learn, got a lot more ground to cover, but he's, I think he's been bitten by the bug, and hopefully he'll stick around. I mean, he, he got he got lucky getting in the ring quite early, but 
if he did his job well and so I can't really complain well done yeah he's got a lot to learn but that's the fun part of wrestling isn't it it's getting in there it's training it's learning all these things it's coming up with the character it's having these matches it's improving on yourself it's getting fitter it's getting stronger it's getting creative it's working with the boys and it's all this thing encompassed into what we call sort of wrestling and falling style wrestling and yeah I can honestly say that was a, a great start for the youngster there. And then after that match, we went into match number three, which we talked about in the intro. Originally, it was going to be the Disaster Artists, you and I, versus the NLP Crowley Mitch Basher. But due to unforeseen circumstances, we had to switch it up a little bit. So we had a grudge rematch, Crowley versus PVC. Now, before the match started, the NLP both came to the ring with authority and demanded competition. They're the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Champions and the only champs in the building and they also stated they have been champs for over 200 days and of course we had uh, Commissioner Robbie Reed out there he was the MC for the evening also watching along taking notes and the like and he acknowledges the history that he has with the NLP and obviously the crowd know that as well but he vows not to let that get in the way of his decision making Robbie makes a statement that the NLP will be defending their belts but not Tonight, because Crowley will be taking on PVC one-on-one -on -one in a rematch from Outwell. Robbie also goes on to say that Mitch Basher and Jimmy Starr are barred from ringside tonight. So this will be a clean match between the Swamp Monster and the Painted One. Now, at this point, we didn't actually know whether you would be back. Obviously, you had gone and taken your son back. So we sort of put this little mini kind of stipulation on the match just so... If Mitch Basher was going to be on the outside and getting involved, we didn't want sort of that that bit where like the, the crowd were waiting for you to come out and then you don't come out. So we figured if we sort of sprinkled on a little bit of like you're both barred from ringside, people aren't going to sort of expect that. We were hoping that it'd make the match sort of flow a little bit better. And... I think it did, because uh, we did a similar thing in Outwell where, you know, me and Crowley would be wrestling and then he would whip me into the ropes and Basher would trip me up and then vice versa, I'd throw him to the ropes, you would trip him up. And then we had a bit of a brawl and everyone got sort of ejected backstage. We just kind of cut that little bit out, but I really enjoyed the match and it went similar to Outwell, which was cool. I took the initiative, took it to Crowley. The moment the bell rings, threw my t-shirt in his face, started stomping him in the corner. The action spilled to the outside. And uh, at one point, Crowley uh, signaled to me, goes, throw me into the door. So I rammed him into the door. And it's one of those ones with the little bar and the door came swinging open and he sort of crumbled into the concrete on the outside. And then the Falling Star Wrestling audience on the sort of left-hand side of the arena, the, the, the hall, they were like, put him in the van. Yeah, put him in the van. So, you know, when it's wrestling and you have these little crazy ideas, I was like, all right, we're going in the van. And Crowley was, was very much up for it. So yeah, grabbed him by the hair, launched him into the van, locked the doors, banged on the van, and then ran into the ring and then got the uh, referee to start counting. Obviously, the people in the arena couldn't see what was going on, but Crowley did a great job in a sense of he was inside the van, you know, banging against the door, trying to get it open. And you could just hear people kind of not knowing what's going on, but using their imagination. They're imagining this sort of muddy swamp creature just going nuts inside this van, kicking the doors, banging on the things, try, clawing, trying to get out. And then you just hear, bang, the doors come wide open. It comes sort of clattering through the door he falls on the floor so I jump outside break the count I roll him back into the ring and then we sort of go into the match there so that was a nice little ad-libbed part of the wrestling match that we didn't really plan so we we put our little stamp on it a little bit of brawling on the outside but then yeah rolled him into the ring hit him with a low drop kick kick to the head leg drop boom nailed him with a swing in DDT from the corner set up for the finisher but the monster managed to push me backwards, nail me with a massive spine buster. From there, we went into the heat, Crowley. He didn't really do much in the heat, which is which is good because, you know, he's this kind of sadistic creature. So all he did was just almost Randy Orton-esque. He would, you know, I'd be selling on the floor trying to get to the ropes. He would spot my hand on the canvas. He would put his his foot onto my hand and then bam, stamp on my hand. I'll then have the chance to sell that. I would go to the ropes. He would choke me on the ropes, etc., etc. Then I'll be, you know, trying to get away from him. He'd, he'd tread on my ankle, bang, and then uh, give me a big stomp to the ankle. So it was, it was quite a sort of a dissecting heat. There wasn't any 
major bumps. You know, I could get up and give him a few shots and then he'd give me a big clothesline to the back. But then when all looked dire, I popped up a big side effect for the double down. From there, we went into sort of a bit of a bump and feed section, a couple of clotheslines. He sends me into the corner. I pop out Jimmy Star-esque with a big old clothesline. And then from there, I set up for a Claymore. I hit him with a Claymore. Two and three quarters, the crowd were with it, which was good. I was hoping that they would be with that kind of big spot. They've seen me do it quite a few times. They've seen me nail it and almost get the win with it. So that was good. You know, when you've got the crowd there, when you get that one, two, ah, which is really, really cool. So then I go to the well again. This time I miss. Crowley scoops me up, spins me around for a massive deep six, which is just like a big spinning back suplex, which rocks me. I managed to kick out again. The crowd were like, one, two, kick out, come on. And then I managed to kick out. And then Crowley, smelling blood, comes with me for a knee strike, the, the same knee strike that absolutely rocked Robbie Lewis a couple of weeks back. So I saw that coming. I moved out of the way, popped up with the code breaker for the win, and everybody's really happy. So at the end, I grabbed the stick and uh, basically told the commissioner, Robbie Reed, you've watched what I've done here. You saw what I did at Outwell. The disaster artists have beat you know, one member of the, the NLP twice in a row, clean, without any interference, without any weapons, without any shenanigans. So I believe that we have earned our shot at the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team titles. And then we went into the interval. You got any thoughts about this, Jim? I know you wasn't here, but, you know, sort of with me telling you the, the no, match. No, well, it sounds like, like you said, it sounds like you left the story nicely on the boil. You, you did what you needed to do. Obviously, you were put in an awkward situation and it was a last minute thing, but it seemed to seem to go really well. You kept it like you kept it simple. You kept the us as a tag team alive. You kept the tag team title shots alive. You cut a promo to obviously remind the crowd that, you know, this is what we want. It's a shot of the tag team goals. You just kept everything nicely simmering for for our next show for for when we come back. So you know that that's that that's great. And if you had a great match doing that, that's even better because you've entertained the crowd on the night and you've given them a reason to to come back for the next show to to see how it all sort of how how it all folds out. I know you said to me beforehand you had quite a lot of family who who come over from America to to watch the the Falling Star product. So how did how did they feel about it? Yeah, they absolutely loved it. It was great because they've never seen me wrestle before. You know, it's the first time they've been over to England for quite some time because obviously COVID and the restrictions and stuff like that. My cousin has had a couple of little kids and they were just like crazy excited. Like before the show, my cousin said, I want to see you. What are you doing? I was like, Saturday, I got a wrestling show. She was like, can I come along? I was like, yeah, by all means. She's like, what about the Littlands? I was like, well, it's a family friendly show. And I'm sure, you know, if we put on a good show and we keep it entertaining, the, the kids will absolutely love it. And by the end of it, after the show was all said and done and we come out and do the meet and greet and we chat to people, you know, the, the kids were just buzzing and stuff. And everybody just said how how much of a good night it was, because, you know, probably 40 <laughs> percent of the people that came to watch me probably aren't wrestling fans or probably wouldn't have even come to a wrestling show. But they said they had a, you know, a wicked night. There was a bunch of people there making a lot of noise. And, you know, the, the PVC crew were in were in full effect. They were chanting, they were cheering. They were just there and they were just having such a good time. So it's really nice to see all the people when you see that look on a kid's face when they're just you know in awe of these people they see Crowley walking through and he's just this giant hairy monster and they can go up to Jack and and tell him how awesome he is when he's flying through the air and all that kind of stuff and then they see Rashwood and call him a greasy tosspot even though that's probably not a, a, an American thing to say but you know they can they can take this thing home because they're on holiday but they probably never thought that a wrestling show would be the one thing that they would come to England to see you can go to Cambridge and do punting and you can go to Scotland and see castles but they went to Kings Lynn and they saw a wrestling show and yeah, you can tell by the smiles on their faces that they absolutely had a riot at the but show that's, but that's what Falling Star Wrestling is all about you know we put on a good show for, for, for the whole crowd we, we don't put on a, a show for the small for a small percentage of the audience we want everyone to come and see our shows and enjoy them if you're a wrestling fan and you are a huge wrestling fan who knows a lot about the behind the scenes stuff and as a certain way you know you like you like things done the more modern style wrestling you know we provide that but we also provide the family at the same like like that's a perfect example someone who's come over from another country to see you wrestle that's the main reason they've come to see you and uh, support you and see what you do but they've ended up having a fucking cracking night out in the process and not only are they you know 
looking at you and they're proud of you and sort of in awe of what your talents are. They're, they're, they're looking at the Fallen Star wrestlers and the brand and the product and they're thinking, you know, this was this this was awesome. This was really good. And, and you know, that's that's what we want. We want more of that. You know, that's why I always say to everyone, just just come along. Even if you don't like wrestling, just come along because you, you're guaranteed to have fun. And what you just told me there is sort of the proof of the pudding. And I'm really proud of the guys for putting on a show that, 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 that demonstrated that. It makes me proud. And you should got you should be proud personally, and the guys should be proud that you know people who are coming through the door and just enjoying the shows from whatever age group, from whatever demographic, and also whatever level of wrestling fandom that they're enjoying the shows. So that's a that's a big tick in the FSW box. Do you ever find yourself late for the bus, the train, maybe a cab, but you've missed it? Maybe you're late for meetings at work. Maybe you're late for dates. Maybe you're late for lunch dates, dinner dates, evening dates. Maybe you've missed weddings. Maybe you've missed funerals. There's one thing that our sponsors are telling you to do, and our sponsors are from Tell the Time Limited. Um, They're a very good company, and they're paying for us now. Just to simply say, learn how to tell the time, you cunt. Are you stupid? Have you not got a fucking watch? Hey? you not got a fucking watch? you not got a clock on your fucking wall? Learn how to tell your time. Even your phone, even your fucking phone these days has got a fucking clock on it. You shouldn't be like, you ain't got any excuse. You can set an alarm as well, you twats. What's wrong with you? Are you daft? Are you fucking idiots? I fucking hate late people. Learn to turn up on time. Be early for once. How about people be early? No one's ever early anymore. Fashionably late. Fuck you. Learn to tell the time and learn how to do it quick. Because I tell you something, all you got to keep doing is missing those trains, missing those buses, missing those job interviews. You're going to be living on the street. You're going to be wanking off tramps. You're going to be giving fucking blowjobs to dogs for money. Yeah, for fucking food. You know what it's like. I've been there. You have too. Learn how to tell the fucking time. And this is an announcement from Tell the Time to Me. Then we went for the interval. After the interval, we had match number four, George Rashwood with Bobby Adams versus Jack Landers. Now, the sound have been a pain in the asses of many of the Falling Star Wrestling locker room as of late, but Jack saw what they can do with their strength in numbers and their underhanded tactics, so he had to have eyes in the back of his head tonight. I managed to watch about... Roughly 50% of this match, I think, uh, I was getting changed and then with the interval. So I joined the music desk about halfway through and I really enjoyed the match. And they actually told a really, really cool story. The wrestling was decent, but I hate to say it, it didn't really hold a candle to the match that Jack had last month with Bobby Adams in the sound. But, you know, they're, they're two different people. But like the thing that they managed to get across was the story. So obviously Jack pulled out his usual Arsenal's high-flying moves. He even introduced a few new ones too. I don't know if you've seen the clip of this, Jim, but I'll, I'll try and explain it. So um, imagine Jack whips Rashford into the turnbuckle. Jack runs in. Rashford throws up his boots, but Jack stops them swings his legs to the side. Rashwood is now sort of sitting on the middle rope looking out of the ring. Jack leaps up and gives him a kick, you know, one of those indie kicks to the back. And then he sort of jumps through the ropes and then springboards onto the top rope, but lands on his sort of knees and shins into into sort of a, a forward roll. And then in that moment, he performs a count of blockbuster on Rashwood. Like, I really like the move. I've not seen it before. I don't know whether Jack came out with that, but I think it really suits him to a T. In this match, I'm not sure it was super smooth, but I think once Jack really nails that and starts to do it on people that, that sort of know it's coming, the more he does it, the more he can really refine it. I think it's going to be a really, really cool move, especially how he sort of gets into it. It's quite a fluid thing. It's a move that nobody else can do. It's 100% Jack's move. I loved it. Sort of towards the end of the match, obviously Bobby Adams is on the side of the ring. He's sticking his nose in where he, you know, where it doesn't belong. Too many times, at one point, Jack realises that Bobby's going to come in and cause the DQ. So Landers reels his foot back and basically just kicks Bobby in the balls. So I really enjoyed that part. I think that was probably my favourite part of that match, actually. Just a big, stiff boot to the nuts. Then Jack busts out his new finishing manoeuvre, which is kind of pump handle onto the shoulder into a sit-out driver, which is cool. I've seen him do that before, but I think this is the best I've seen him do that tonight. It looks really effective, and it's a nice kind of powerful move for Jack. It, it wasn't one of those where... You know, you just have to wait for a while for him to get to the top rope and then 
perform this really, really impressive kind of spinny moonsault or whatever. He just kind of locks it in, spins him in and drills him into the ground. And it's it's really, really cool. So the sound, thankfully, was silenced for tonight. But that was not the last we saw of Bobby Adam and his sore plums because he was in the main event. Did you see any clips for this, Jim? Did you speak to Rashwood or Landers about this one at all? Nope. I, the only thing I heard was the pop from the kick in the balls. I heard basically what happened was a bit of a run up time wise. So I came home with my boy and I thought, right, that's me done. You know, obviously for the night, um, I'm going to look after my son. So I got him in his pyjamas and he laid downstairs for a bit and he was just uncomfortable and hot. I tried to give him some juice. I tried to give him some medicine. He wasn't having any of it. And he just upped and went off the bed. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to make myself a fucking giant pizza. And the minute I swallowed the last bite, Matt rang up and said, if you want to get dressed now, literally, you know, put your shit on now. I'll come and watch your boy for you and you can be in the 10-man tag. And by this time, I ran upstairs and I quickly checked and he was asleep. And I went, yeah, yeah, all right then. Okay, yeah, fuck it. I'll do it, yeah. So I was in no fucking uh, mental mood to wrestle. I just switched off for the night. I was watching, I was watching some shit on TV when this call came through. But I switched into my gear, put a sweatshirt on, Joe pulled up with Matt and I we just quickly switched. I jumped in the car. When I got to the hall, I think I saw you and I said, I'm switching places with you. And you went, yep, brilliant. I don't have to do anything. You were going to be me in that tag, I think. Or so well, I think that's, that's how it was left. I don't know if that was going to be the case. But so I, I sort of switched out with you on the pro side. I, I, I sort of said, right, you know, what's happening? I just said, what's the finish? So I can look out for it. Mike told me what the finish was. Then Rob called me over to quickly show me this match. And when I the music was playing, and before I went out, I said, oh, fuck, who am I starting with? What's happening? Like, what are we doing for a start? And literally, the, the, the trainees' music was playing, and they went, oh, you're in there with Shane. Just just go in there first. Right? I said, right, I'll show you. I'll, call, I'll just call it in the ring. It wasn't my request. But it was Bulk actually who said we should come out to Jimmy's music initially because it was set to Mike's, wasn't it? It was set to Pitbull's yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, And I went, well, this, this can, can we change it? Oh, well, yeah, of course we can. So that got changed, which was which was nice. I don't think anyone expected to see me. I think people thought I was at home. I think it sort of word spread around, especially with the people, the regulars, that I went home with my boy. And as I ran around the back, no one really saw me because the show was going on. So... When I came out, I think it was a bit of a genuine surprise that people saw me, which was nice. It was a odd match because we had baby faces and heels on on both sides. Five on five matches, one fall, you know, it, they're never going to be great. Whether they're Survivor Series rules or whatever rules, you know, the way we did it, they're never going to be particularly awesome tags. However, I thought that that tag match was probably, even though there was a few fuck-ups, don't get me wrong, and there was a few blown spots and there was a few little little timing issues here and there, I thought it was probably one of the better 10-mans that I've personally been in myself. It seemed to have a nice little story. Everyone got to do a little bit. There was, a, there was some heat in it, so the crowd could choose to side with the trainees, which was I sort of wanted. Because what I wanted from that match was to promote the Falling Star Wrestling School, really, in a way. That's why they won. You know, I wanted them to be in the middle there as if to say, you know, if you want to be one of these guys, you know, who train um, and get opportunities and blah, 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 you could be in the ring, you know. So that was a sort of outcome of the match. That's what I wanted. And I also wanted to further a few storylines. I Unfortunately, because I got back so late and I was interjected into the match so late, I wasn't privy to any stories or any little bits or any anything. I was just told that the finish was going to be Mike and, and Mitch fighting out of the ring. And then it was going to turn into a schmoz, basically just stay out and, you know, and someone else will take the finish, which is fine by me. And, yeah, when I came out, I just tried to do what I normally do, G the crowd up with a bit of a tiny, small promo. And then at the end, I said something, a bit of a joke that was sort of just for the boys, really, but I thought it was funny. So I said it when I said that you guys are trained by the best. And obviously, they're trained by me. So, you know, me saying that is very arrogant, but it also amused me. So if it amused me, I'm going to say it. Um, And, um, yeah, the crowd were with it. And the crowd love these kind of matches because it's just chaos. It's just pure chaos. 
There's so many people out there. There's quite a lot going on. All the wrestlers haven't got to do much. They've got plenty of variety. They normally see quite a lot of finishes and big moves and things like that. Really, what it was was for me and Mike and you know Rob and and some of the other pros that 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 have, that have taught and you know and yourself even just watching just to get a look at where the trainees are at at the moment. And they all impressed me. They all tried really hard. And, you know, was it perfect? No. But a match like that is never going to be. It was just a big, big main event, plenty of people, plenty of moves, plenty of action, and a little little bit of storyline in it, which probably either did or didn't get over. It doesn't really matter if it did or didn't. It was more about getting the trainees over and getting the 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 school over and that was the main point and sending the crowd I'm happy which I think they were I think it was I think they I think they enjoyed it and that's 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 really all I can say I mean I don't even remember what I did in it I think I did a little suplex but I think I did a splash a backbreaker and that was about it but uh, you know I'm glad that and I'm really thankful to Matt and Joe because when you promote a show and you work hard and trying to get people there and they they come and it's busy and you're not on it. You know, I know my boy comes first and I would, of course, obviously I would, I'd, I'd, I'd resign myself to the fact that I was staying there all night. And, you know, especially when you're a single dad and you've got an autistic son and he is quite hard work. And, and a lot of people, you know, you do feel sometimes like you're the only one who's there for him. And then you've got that, that bit of support that comes through. It was really nice of Matt and Joe to do what they did. Just to let, just to get me involved and just to get me in the tag, that was all it was. I just want to be involved. I just love wrestling and I just love our crowd and I just love the Falcon Star Wrestling product. I I, I I don't care if I'm fucking Billy Big Bollocks win, winning all the titles. I'm not a mark for myself. I just want to be involved and that was just fun. I was talking to Mike a lot on the on the apron having a laugh. We were all having a chat. It was just a bit of a giggle. What, what did you think watching it? I actually quite enjoyed it. I was going into it thinking it might be a little bit too much. It's always difficult with five-on-five matches and with one half of the match being quite sort of inexperienced. I thought there might be a few moments that would be awkward or not very well put together, but I think everyone did really, really well. I think it's always difficult as well when you've got a one fall to a finish because you have to kind of think of a different finish for it. And with pros being on one side and trainees being on the other side, for the trainees to win, you had to have that built-in story of, you know, Mitch Basher and Bulk having a bit of a miscommunication and then they kind of go off and fight each other. And then you seeing that, you're sort of trying to stick up for the Bulk and then Bash, Mitch Basher, Furio just wants to have a bit of a fight. So he jumps out and then that kind of leaves Bobby Adams there by himself. And then he's against five trainees. And I was thinking back to, I believe it is when we had the Survivor Series match, which was a five-on-five elimination match. And that one was not as good. Let's just say that. That one was a a, a little more awkward and a little bit more, let's just say, awful. But this one was was really, really good because you had, you know, the five guys on the other side. You got Sean Stone, JJ King, Alex Miller, Joey Garcia, and Robbie Lewis. You can see that they've improved tenfold from that Survivor Series match. Sean Stone started to get a bit of a character together. He was the only heel on that team and he had to sort of stand out above the other guys in that respect, but not do too much to kind of make himself the star of the show. He did really, really well. I thought JJ and Alex worked really well together because they've they've started to get a little bit of chemistry together because we had a tag team match with them last month. I think they're quite good together. Obviously, Joey Garcia is now starting to pick things up really, really well because he's sort of in this middling area of like... He is in the academy, but he also does pro matches on other shows as well. So he kind of floats in between the others. And you can kind of see that he's starting to he's starting to really pick things up. And then you got, you know, the, the big man there, Robbie Lewis, who's just exudes kind of excitement and it just loves being in the ring. And they had a really nice spot, i.e. Robbie and Bulk, because they're the two big guys in the match. And this was actually a spot that I planned because obviously I was going to be in the match. And I just thought it'd be a really, really cool spot for Miller 
He's getting his ass kicked. He's getting sympathy, which I thought was really, really good. He's selling really, really well. And because he's sort of one of the smaller guys, he can just get thrown about by all the, you know, the bigger guys like the Mitch Bashers and the Bobby Adams and the Furios. And he's just getting his absolute ass kicked. And he's getting no hope at all. But then at one point, Bobby Adams and Mitch Basher, they're sort of like trying to one up each other. You know, Basher will get in the ring and slam Miller down and then be like, right, Bobby, you get in there. And he'll do the same thing and then try and up each other. And then at one point, they buckle uh, Miller in the corner. One of them runs in, Miller gets the boot up, boom, little bit of hope there. The other one runs in, another boot, boom, he comes up to the second rope, double drop kick, and that's a really nice double down. Then we went into the, the hot tag, and I just thought, you know, hot tags are meant to be this kind of like exciting part of the match where everything kind of picks up a pace. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if the hot tag was made to bulk? Now, obviously, bulk's not going to go in there and do flying clotheslines and spinning heel kicks and, you know, all these other things. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if bulk just goes in there and everybody from the other side, I know it's a hot tag, one person's meant to be in the ring, but wouldn't it be great if all the academy trainees just go in there and one by one, they just run into him and they just bounce off, bing, bing. Bing. And then you finally get to Robbie, who comes in there and just gives a big check. And you have that sort of, ooh, moment. He hits the rope again. Boom, check. Ooh, is he going to be able to get the bulk down? Boom, they lock up, go into a, a headlock spot. Robbie gets sent off the rope, but then bulk gives him a big slam down. And then he starts sort of clearing house, clotheslines here, picks two guys up for a double choke slam, which was great. And then you go into the sort of schmoz with, with Mitch Basher, which, which left Bobby in the ring. And then you have the team of JJ and um, Miller putting together, did a nice little combo thing, which was like a fame arser, a penalty kick. And then Miller came off with a really, really nice sort of macho man style elbow drop to pick up the win and it didn't seem like the it was handed to the to the trainees it didn't seem like they they only won because you know that the, the other guys had to fight each other that was a big part of the match but they they earned that victory they worked together well which is what you want to see from a team you guys didn't work very well together because you've got heels and faces you've got people in there that hate each other you know you hate bobby bobby hates mitch mitch hates bulk bulk hates everybody and on the other side, you had sort of four out of the five guys working together really, really well. So that just goes to prove that if you're a tag team and you can kind of come together, you can overcome almost anybody, you know, matter of experience or anything like that. And they just put in a lot of effort. And towards the end, I actually really, really enjoyed the match. And I don't often enjoy those types of matches because they can be clunky and awkward. But this one, this one worked for me. Yeah, it had a good mixture of people, didn't it? And like you said, the trainee side has got a hell of a lot better. They're now at the point now where they can get in there and actually have matches. That's what they need now. They need more in-ring time training and they need <clears throat> eventually need more matches. There were certain things that, that obviously, you know, you look at and you look at like the rope running of, some, of a few, of a couple, and you think, oh, that could be a little bit better. And you look at the the footwork and then you look at something like that but then something awesome will happen like Robbie Robbie or absolutely larrup someone I think it was Mitch with a clothesline just fucking took his head off it but he hit him in the sweet spot and it looked nice and it was all it was all fine but it just even even made Paul go oh, oh fuck do you know what I mean and just just stuff like that and then you, you think to yourself yes you know you're getting the bits that you need they're at the stage now where the bits that they're good at, they're identifying the bits that they're good at and they're getting good at them, but they still need some work on the things that they're not so good at. Whereas a pro identifies the bits he's good at, gets good at them, knows when to use those moves, knows when to use those things. And then the things that he's bad at, he either stays away from or if they're essential, like rope running or posted or things like that, he just has to learn how to get good at them because... You know, that's just practice. That's just drills. You have to learn how to get good at that shit because you're going to be doing a lot of it over the years, you know, especially when you first start. But I was exceptionally proud of how the match turned out because Mike's like me. We've been in a million of, of those sorts of matches and they're all normally just throw away and crap. But the crowd enjoy them because it's chaos. But we enjoyed that as wrestlers. We actually got a bit of satisfaction out of doing it because it wasn't a bad match. It was okay. And to say that about a 10 man tag is like you just said, and I've said a couple of times already, it's fucking remarkable. They, they all did, they all did very well. And the guys on the pro side did very well. I was just a last minute entry into it. And it was what I did was what I did, but I didn't want the trainees to be 
given the match on the plate, oh, the pros would have totally fucking killed them if it hadn't have been for this, that, and the other. The miscommunication, like you say, did play a big part in it. But the fact is, they seized that miscommunication and they took their time and picked someone apart that they needed to pick apart. And that particular pro was was Bobby Adams. Completely tied me up. I was out the back. I had my head rammed into the post. Sean Stone had me held up. And I think Andy was out there after he did whatever he did. He came over and held me down too. So I was outside. I couldn't break up the pin, even if I wanted to. So it made them look like they worked as a cohesive unit. But the pros didn't because there's too much history there. And that makes sense. And that's good. But as a promotional tool for the training school, when they all stood there and posed and stuff like that, there's a really good picture. And, you know, you credit Matt for that. Matt Harrison, his, his photography is always... What's his, what's his uh, company called? Is it Amil or something? Or I can't remember. Photography. Think, is it just AMLE? AMLE Photography? But yeah, Matt, top job, man. It must be an acronym for something, yeah. But yeah, you know, check him out. Pretty much every photo over the past few months that we've posted on our Facebook pages he's taken and as you can tell they're, they're extremely good quality and he's a lifesaver he helps me a lot behind the scenes as well so you know massive massive sort of credit to him but yeah it was it was a sort of unity of the fallen star wrestling training the unity of them at the end and yeah i hope it encourages some people if they look at it or hear of it or see bits and bobs of it to to, you know, maybe come along and train because, you know, it, those guys, and, and that's, just, that's the thing, you that those guys there are like, you know, like you, Connor, Rob, and maybe Kenny Mack, Anthrax, and a, a few other people were sort of like, a you know, a bit of a crew back in the day, and you were the guys who all started at the same time and came up through the ranks at the same time, and, you know, you, you had your sort of, like, your generation, your sort of clique of guys who, were training at FSW at the time, working hard, putting the rings up, grafting, fucking putting posters up with me, all et cetera, et cetera. That was your sort of group. But those guys at that particular moment, that's the sort of, that's their, that's their group. Do you know what I mean? That's their core. They're, it, it's individuals that can only be brought together in wrestling. That team made up of five people are all incredibly close, even if they're not close outside of wrestling. They they don't know how close they are because they've got such a they've got that wrestling bond that in training they've kicked the shit out of each other. They've all had those that those nerves together, those jitters together, the anxiety together of having their first matches probably around about the same time and all having different jobs early on and all sort of walking in a training school roughly at the same time. So coming up together that it forms a real close bond. So the five on that team, they probably feel that, along with a couple of others who might not have been in the match, who, who, who will, you know, be in other matches soon. There's a little crew there, if you know what I mean, that, that all that all started at the same time. And, you know, it's nice to see them grow together. And I hope they enjoyed it and got some satisfaction out of it. Like I said, I literally shook everyone's head. So thank you very much. Wave jumped in the car with my wrestling gear still on and bung my hoodie on. And then got back home and, yeah, sat on, sat and had a chat with Matt for an hour. I thought the show was, yeah, the show was really good, actually. Like, it's always one of those things where you have a card and then things chop and change and you're not quite sure how it's going to go and you have to kind of turn on a dime and think of new things. But... I don't mind that. That's absolutely fine. Sometimes it can work out for the better. I don't know whether that was better or not, but it was what it was. And it wasn't as if the tag match won't ever happen again. It's not as if we we missed an opportunity. We just sort of took a, a slight divergence. And that's the thing, you know, within art and music and creativity, it's not always well-structured. You can sometimes just change things and ad-lib and, and jam and just figure things out. And then sometimes it comes out for the better. And I think Saturday night was one of those things where something comes up and you have to deal with it and you do it in the best way possible. And that's one of those things where as a, a, a person that's been in the business a decade, the person that's been working with yourself and Falling Star Wrestling for, for a decade plus, and just being in that environment and being able to turn on a dime and absolutely just be able to nail it and, and pull it out of, at, at the last minute is, is an amazing thing to do because not everybody can do that. And, and it helps being involved in wrestling for such a long time and knowing kind of the mechanics of wrestling, how to put a show together, how to get the crowd through this journey of some from the first match to the last match. It's sending them home 
them happy. It's creating those ebbs and flows and not just having a one kind of monotone wrestling show where it's like match, match, match. It's storylines interweaved in it. And it's handy being involved in that so heavily because you know almost where everybody is. And th- this podcast helps a lot because we get to talk about people's storylines and our storylines and where we want the company to go, where we want the, the title belts to go, what we want for this show, how we can improve, how we can really add to the next show coming up. So yeah, I think it was one of those shows where it could have gone horribly wrong, but I think it went horrifically right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think any, I think if you've got good enough talent and you've got guys who are able to improvise and you've got people who can just switch on a dime and not rely on needing three weeks notice of their match to, to get it right. If you've got those, that team of guys and something like what happened on Saturday does happen, then I don't think there's any other need to worry because that's the amazing thing about professional wrestling. A lot of it is improvised. So if things do change, it's not a huge problem because if you're a pro, you should be able to wrestle anyone at any time. And trust me, I've had it before where I'm literally about to go on with someone and the match has been switched because someone's pulled out at the last minute. So all of a sudden my match can't be what it is now. Someone needs to be moved. And then I've got someone else stood in front of me and you've just had to go out there and do it. And if you're a pro and you're a good worker and a good wrestler and a good entertainer or whatever you're good at, you know, not everyone's great, all of them, but you know, we should all at least be capable of it. Most of them um, and a good athlete, you can go out there and, and entertain a crowd. The more years you've been doing it, obviously, the more tricks you learn. Sometimes, if you haven't got hardly any time to to put a match together, I'm talking, you know, like if, if you've got, if someone's turned up, you know, 15 minutes before you got to go out, you resort to a little bit of the cheap stuff, but that's just the way it is. Sometimes it has to be like that. I'm thinking of the example, but when we were at Holt, and literally I was just about to go out, and, you know, my opponent wasn't there yet, so... They put me on with Crusher Curtis. And, you know, my opponent did turn up just in time. We probably would have been all right. But I've got now got sort of 20 minutes to put a match together with Crusher. You saw that match, incredibly basic. Worked about as much as any crowd did that night. But that's just an example of, of being a good worker and, and working with someone else who's a half-decent worker. Wrestling is about improvisation a lot of the time and things go wrong things change sometimes someone comes up with such a good idea you just have to fucking add it in but that good idea comes two minutes before the show and you think well shit it doesn't matter we'll just add it in as long as everyone's on their toes and as long as people are confident in what they're doing there's no reason you shouldn't get a good show out of it and i think that people are confident in that and that's one thing i've always tried to teach my guys on Wednesdays and I've always taught them that being able to improvise with your matches and in, and in the ring is so important because it's not just necessarily your opponent hasn't turned up so you've got to wrestle someone else and you've only found that out five minutes before you go out or you, you turn, your car breaks down so you turn up late to a show and you've only got five minutes before showtime and you're on first and the guy you're wrestling you've never met before so You've got to go out there and work. Like It's one of those things where you've got to be good at the improvisation in that sense. But like we've said before, sometimes you get in the ring and there's no one buying your match. So you have to have to improvise and change things. So to be able to see whether you can actually get someone to get the crowd on board in some way, shape or form. So improvisation and quick thinking and dynamic risk assessment is such a key component of of wrestling. And it's not just falling star wrestling. It's every promotion in the world. Now, we've had to change a lot of things on the fly a lot of times in falling star wrestling, but we're one of the more organized companies when it comes to having our equipment there, having our shit there, having the guys there being ready and being on time and everyone turning up ready at work. Sometimes I'm, I'm not so organized in the matchmaking. It's just I need to see who turns up, and I want to – obviously get everyone involved and put on the best show I can. There's faults, there's always weaknesses, but in general, if you can improvise and you're quick on your quick you're a quick thinker and you're a half decent wrestler and you're a good entertainer and you're a good athlete 
you can get by, you can do anything. And it just goes to show with you and you and the Crowley, and it goes to show with the tag at the end. And it just again, the other matches which had time to have more organization, I don't think they're any better than worse than the ones that didn't have much time. Do you know what I mean? Or suddenly. Suddenly he's changed on a, on, on, on a dime. Fucking well done to everyone. Fair play to everyone who's in the match. And any feedback that I've got for anyone personally, I'll be obviously giving them as, as time goes on. But just as I say this in this podcast, just just be proud of it. Be proud of the match. Enjoy it. Watch it. You know, pick up on the bad things, but also pick up on the things that you did well because everyone did something well in that match as well as they might have, you know, could have done things better. So, you know awesome awesome effort from from everyone on the show and i'm really proud and i apologize for, for sort of abandoning shit for a bit there but everyone knows every parent knows they kid come first so as simple as that and there we have it all the thrills and spills from the most recent live show from falling star wrestling we really hope you enjoyed the show today and thank you very much for checking us out once again if you've yet to subscribe to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast on your favourite podcast platform, well, please do so. We're available on Spotify, as well as Apple and Google Podcasts, to name just a few. Whilst you're there, a positive five-star review would be fantastic. Another quick shout-out to Matt, our multimedia chap, and the guy that takes the best photos in the business. You can check out his work over on the Falling Star Wrestling Facebook and Instagram pages. That's at Falling Star Wrestling. I've also been known to post the odd piece of content on my socials too. You can find me at PVC Pro Wrestler. If you missed out on this month's action at West Lynn, well, don't worry. We'll be back next month to do it all again. Falling Star Wrestling returns to our spiritual home at the West Lynn Sports and Social Club for Fight Night on Saturday, 18th of June. Usual stuff applies. Doors at 6.30 with the action starting at 7.30. Tickets are £8 on the door. For more information, check out the socials. Thanks again for checking out the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.